0: everybody, Mike Phillips here, host of the Just End the Suffering podcast. It's not something I usually do. Usually you're, get, you're greeted by this loud intro, all of the shenanigans, fanatics, all that crazy stuff going into the podcast every week. That stuff is going to come up. It's going to be a few minutes though, but I did not feel it appropriate to start with that this week considering what's going on in this country with all of the tension, the unrest, and I want to take a few minutes to address that like off the top here. This is not something you want to hear about. That's totally fine. I will time code this for you. You can skip ahead to the start of the podcast where we talk about what's coming up, who's going to be on this week, what we're discussing. But I just think this is something that just cannot be ignored in this country right now. The whole situation with the movement to better the lives of African-Americans, black lives do matter. We've learned that this week in a very big way and we've seen the outrage across the country over the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And let's get one thing straight. This is an abhorring crime. I'm very happy that all four officers involved in this were arrested, charged, and the guy who actually did its case with second-degree murder, the other three aiding and abetting. This cannot go on. This is not something that should be happening in this country, period. Regardless whether you're George Floyd Maude Aubrey, Eric Garner, the list goes on and on and on and on. And at some point, enough is enough. We, as a country, are better than this. I mean, the, what you are seeing here is a group of people, and this is a very united group of people, and the protests everywhere show this, who are against the idea of racism, police brutality, abuse of power, systemic racism, all of these things are existing in this country, and they need to be addressed, and right now is the perfect time to do it because I know there's still a coronavirus situation going on here, but something like this cannot be ignored for any longer. We have seen companies put out blanket statements saying, oh, like we are outraged, we want to do better, but simply saying the words is not enough. It really is not Because this goes back to, you know, the whole idea of thoughts and prayers after a mass shooting. What do you gain out of doing that? That just make yourself look better and not actually do anything about it. We have, as a country, sat by on the sidelines too long, listened to these things happen, expressed faux outrage on Twitter, and then done nothing. I'm happy for all the people who are going out to protest and do the right thing and try and bring about change and... The time has come to change a lot of these things and sitting back making statements is nice, not good enough. You want to do, make some change. You can go a protest and express your opinion. You can and campaign to your local congressman, try and campaign to your local leaders, try and cr- promote change that way. Promote the work of African-American artists, authors, businesses, the, have just as much value as your business, as your podcast, as your art, as anything. They have a right to be here just as much as you do. I also want to say here, honestly, like, as much as this is about police brutality, I'm all everybody says, oh, 99.9% of the cops are great, all of this, all that. Like, this is true. There are a lot of good police officers out there, but this is a profession where you should have zero bad operators in this profession. As Chris Rock once said, 95% of airplane pilots landing a plane is not good enough. That means 5% are crashing. Even one bad cop doing something like killing an unarmed African-American man, pushing an elderly sent at a protest to the street where he is basically bleeding and they're walking past him. These violent acts of power, abuse we've seen, it's not going to work. It's not what who we are. We are better than this. We should enact change, and I will post a link to this in the podcast note itself. The there's a great article by Troy Vincent from the in the Athletic, the former NFL's like safety, current head of the NFLPA. It's really eye opening when he tells a story about how he tells his son every year before he goes out to college, gives him a list of instructions of how he has to drive back to campus so he doesn't get himself in trouble with police stuff like. Don't wear a hoodie. Say, yes, sir, no, sir. Reach, tell the officer what you're doing as you're doing and make sure you keep your hand visible. Like That kind of fear is not something anybody in this country should have to experience on a given basis. There are a lot of good police officers out there. There are some bad ones out there. This is a time where we need to set the standard and say, we want the good ones, the ones who uphold the badge, to continue to do that weed out the ones who are using their position to abuse their power and do something for good to stop these killings of innocent people. This is not what this country needs. This is not what we were built on. We were built to be an equal country. We were built to all be equals. And that's something I hope we learn from this, that we learn to support each other fully. Call out racism when you see it. Don't sit back and say, all lives matter, or this isn't my problem, you live here, it is your problem. It's your neighbors, people you work with, people you live in the community with. You can't just hide in your bubble and say, this is all going to be fine. It's not. Action leads to change. Hopefully, this leads to change. And now, without further ado, we will get to our regularly scheduled program. Live. Live from This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Oh! He broke his ankle. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. Mike Phillips. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody, here the Just End the Suffering podcast. This week, we're going to be talking some NBA on the podcast. I'm going to be joined by fan Ian Levy in just a bit to break down the NBA's return to action. 22 teams will be returning to Orlando, Florida, in the campus known as Walt Disney World. To finish out the 2019-2020 season, we are going to have a campus atmosphere down there, games all over the place, We'll talk to Ian about some of the Encore stuff, what could happen, where the league was, what we can expect out of this experiment they're doing this summer. I'm also joined by our legal correspondent, Phil Fraietta, in a little bit to talk about the hub models that the NBA and the NHL are putting on to finish their seasons. The NBA doing one campus down in Orlando. The NHL still working through their logistics for the hub cities, trying to figure out who they want to go to. We'll talk to Phil about those things as well. Pop culture Week, we are going to do a basketball movie. We're going to do some Space Jam talk. We'll talk with our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rosa, about Space Jam. Preview little Space Jam 2 as well in there, but a deeper dive into Space Jam 1. Some of the fun things come out of that. But I want to start off for a minute with the latest on the baseball talks. And right now, this is not going very well. As of recording on Friday afternoon, June 5th, the Major League Baseball plan at the moment is we are at a standstill. Last week, the players responded to the owner's 82-game proposal with a sliding scale of pay cuts where the richest got cut more. The players responded with a move basically saying, we'll play 114 games at prorated pay. We'll try and make more money for everyone. The owners rejected that. They have not moved any further from their position. And right now, the current idea on the table is that, according to the agreement that was signed in March, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, can dictate the length of the season as long as players get paid on their prorated salaries. Right now, the league's talking about a 48 to 54 game season as the last resort option where they can just push the button and say, You have to play. We'll pay your prorated. You're going to play this thing. And this just, to me, I just don't get it. The league is sitting here squabbling over money at a time when they have an opportunity to help unite this country help bring this nation back to a little more normalcy let's play for a minute here I want to go back to March 30th uh Rob Manfred actually did an interview on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt about what it could look like when baseball comes back let's hear a little bit from Scott Van Pelt and Rob Manfred this is back in March on ESPN I believe that opening day has a nostalgia to it that is rare actually it's unique it's unlike any other sport and I love all the sports but opening day has something about it that, that is only only belongs to baseball when that day finally comes uh, and baseball comes back and sports come back
1: what do you think Robert represents then to, to a country that's seen something we've never really dealt with ever in our lives
2: You know, I think it will mark um, a real milestone in the return to normalcy. I think you saw it after 9-11 in terms of the resumption of play. Um, You you know, I was there in Shea Stadium that night that we began playing. Um, It was one of the most memorable games I've ever attended. Um, It's an honor uh, for for our sport to be regarded in a way that that, um, we have been part of our country coming back from some horrific events, And, and we hope... Uh, that we can play a similar role with respect to this
0: one? Yeah, listen to what he said there. This is back in March. He said, we look forward to being part of the solution, helping lead the country back, and playing a role like we did after September 11th. That is not happening right now. Right now, you have the owners entrenching their camp saying, we will not play unless we minimize our losses to the most possible extent, and we're going to withhold the game from America. I don't think you get to do that in Major League Baseball. They have built themselves up as a cultural institution. This is the same league that waited a full day after everyone was basically issuing statements about the outrage over the George Floyd killing. This is the league that brought in Jackie Robinson, broke the color barrier. This league has a big role in bringing about change and helping reflect the times of America. The fact that they're hiding out in their camps basically willing to sacrifice the long-term health of this sport over money, is mind-bogglingly bad. It's hysterically bad. And right now, I'm reading a story from ESPN's Jeff Passan, basically. The idea here is that the gap between the two sides is about $326 million. $326 million, or about $10 million a team, $11 million a team, That is what's holding up the two sides are making a deal. Right now, we're talking about that scenario that the MLB pays players 82 games, pro-rated pay. You get expanded playoffs, all that good stuff. They are threatening to hold out on that over $326 million for these teams that are worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. That is the equivalent of me refusing to give back my friend, $20. That's what they're fighting over. And the owners look incredibly cheap in this. And it's a very, very bad look. And you have Rob Manfred going on record saying, we want to bring about, you know, positive change. You want to bring an example. The example you're providing right now to the America is greed. You're saying, I want mine. Screw everybody else. I want what's mine. That's not a good attitude to bring to the table here. This should be about a mutual sacrifice. The players are taking a hit because they've already agreed to give up some of their salary based on how many games are played. You need to take the hit too and say, you know what, this one year we will lose money. But next year we will be back, we'll have fans in the building hopefully, and everything will be hunky-dory. And build some positive momentum for a CBA that needs to be renegotiated after the 2021 season. Instead, all you're doing is making people sit there Roll their eyes, you guys. Well, the NBA is a plan to come back. The NHL is now their plan to come back. Major League Soccer is on the way back. The PGA Tour starts next weekend. NASCAR has been racing. Tennis is still figuring out how they want to get the Open back, the U.S. Open that's in the table. And you're sitting here arguing over money? I mean, seriously? This is a joke. And to quote the great Vince Lombardi,
3: What the hell's going on out here?
0: Again, for emphasis, what the hell's going on out here? This is Major League Baseball. They cannot afford to deliver a 48 game product when the NBA is bringing back 22 teams to Orlando to finish out their season and give themselves a legitimate champion. The legitimacy of this season will never be taken seriously if you're playing 48 regular season games. After 48 games, you could have five random teams who happen to be hot for a month and a half make the playoffs. That is not what baseball is. Baseball is not going to get the full 162 in this year. That's fine. 82 is a legitimate thing. Am I saying I would not watch a 50 game season? I would watch it. It's better than zero baseball, but this is literally baseball cutting off its own nose despite its face here. Figure it out. Find a mediator. Go sit in a room somewhere. You each put your ideas together at the media company a solution that's fair and to equity well to everybody. This is not hard. The owners fighting for every single last dollar is a very poor look, given the state of this country. As I've said before on this podcast, you have millions of people—41 million at last count—out of work. You have over a hundred thousand people dead from the coronavirus. You have racial unrest on the streets. And you're going to sit there and argue over money? Shame on you, baseball. There is still time to fix this. There is still time to get a season together, but it's running out fast. Please, for the sake of your long-term sports health, get it together. We will see what happens next week. We'll dive deeper into the baseball situation next week, but up next, we'll talk basketball with Ian Levy right after this. Basketball is my favorite sport. The way to dribble up and down the court Just like I'm looking on the microphone So it's Dr. J head Moses Malone I like slam dunks and take it to the hoop My favorite play is the alley ooh I like the pick and roll I like the and go Cause it's basketball of Mr. Cutch's <laughs> blow All right, back here talking the return of the NBA on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Join me today, one of FanSided's top NBA people, Ian Levy's back on the podcast. Ian, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Great to have you on. And obviously, the big news of the week in the sports world, the NBA is back. 22 teams going down to Orlando to finish the regular season. Eight more games. Playoffs going through October 12th, Game 7, the NBA Finals. What's your big takeaway on this whole plan they came up with?
3: You know, I think it's, uh, the league was sort of in an impossible decision. I think they, um, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of issues at play, a lot of pieces to work through. And I, I think they, you know, they think they did the best they could, uh, you know, there's issues with this plan. I think there were issues with, uh, the alternatives or the other variations that they looked at too. I don't think there was a perfect scenario, so um yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear that there's a plan in place. I'm happy to hear there's a, you know, a framework we're going to sort of be marching towards. And uh, I'm just hoping everything works out. Everybody can stay safe and healthy. And and uh, yeah, it actually
0: actually works. Yeah, the number would confuse you. I first saw it was 22. Do you think a lot of it was due to like, you know, the NBA wants to bring teams that like the Pelicans and the Trailblazers in to generate more attention to this thing? Because I felt like logically it would have made sense, you know, just go right to the playoffs. But they are not doing that.
3: Yeah I think the concern there was um was about wanting to give teams some sort of competitive games before, you know, they, they the playoffs start, not wanting to to jump immediately to the playoffs in terms of, of what they'd have to sacrifice in, um, in, uh, you know, quality of play, uh, you know, even with, with people sort of having the, the brief training camp that they're going to get, uh, having them come back in with, with, without any game action, you know, maybe you get some, some pretty sloppy games at the beginning of the season, um, and so yeah, I think they wanted to address that. And once you're going to address that, you you know, it's it's sort of a slippery slope. Then you know, you might as well give teams a a chance to play their way into the playoffs if you're going to have to revive the regular season to some degree Um, you know and then you've got teams that don't want to come back for the regular season because they have nothing to play for there's no you know there's no point in them risking injury and and, uh, risking exposure or whatever so uh, I think where they landed on on 22 uh, you know seems like a good idea and I I think obviously the the pathway there was they decided you know they probably started with the number of regular season games they wanted to play they felt like eight was you know sort of the the right number to give every everybody a, a time to ramp up and feel like it wouldn't stretch the calendar out too much uh and then from there my guess is they backtracked and said all right if, we're, if you're gonna have eight regular season games you know here are the teams that can sort of plausibly uh make their way in, in in that number of games
0: yeah that does make some sense and i i know like it's a it's kind of a big question but like can you give me like a little bit of an overview kind of where we were at the pause like who were the top dogs here who looked like they were in good shape to make a deep uh, run in the nba playoffs
3: yeah i mean uh milwaukee was sort of head and shoulders uh above everybody else i think they clearly looked like the best team in the league um even though their you know record i can't remember exactly but i think they're only maybe like a game or two uh, ahead of uh, los angeles in the standings their um their uh point differential was uh you know almost twice that of the lakers so uh yeah, I think I think Miami or I'm sorry, Milwaukee was was the clear favorite. Uh I think you'd look at the Western Conference, uh you'd have to consider the Lakers uh, a really strong contender, uh the Clippers as well. Uh you know, have, have sort of been right there and they've also, you know, played most of the season without their full complement of of players. Uh you know, Kawhi Leonard has uh you know, took some games off for load management. Uh Paul George was coming back from uh, an injury at the beginning, Lou Williams missed some games. Um so, yeah, I, I think you, you envision sort of that team at, at full strength, uh, you know, being, uh, at least as good as, as the Lakers and, and, you know, ready to challenge Milwaukee. Um, and then you kind of have the, the dark horse teams, Houston, you know, they're still kind of an unknown, still kind of an experiment. Um, I can't remember what it was. Maybe they had eight games, uh, after the trade deadline with, with Robert Covington at, at center and that new style they were going to try and play. Um, they're kind of a wild card. The Celtics, too, I think are, are a really interesting team. Um, you know, have the pieces in theory, but they're relying a lot on their young players. Uh, and, and also like uh, Houston, you know, they're they're looking at uh, a playoff rotation that's probably uh, really thin at center and, and maybe playing a lot of small ball.
0: Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff there. And obviously this is an unprecedented playoffs because we have the three-month break between the end of the season, between basically end of the regular season, the pickup of the regular season, and that's on. Do you think there are certain teams that will benefit from this break or something that might get hurt by it more?
3: Yeah, well, I know, you know, the ability to get healthy is a big deal for some teams. You know, Ben Simmons had that ailing back injury uh, when the season ended, and so the chance to get him uh, healthy, I think if, if things have sort of progressed at the normal uh at the normal pace there's a chance that Simmons might have missed, you know, a first round playoff series, potentially even two. Uh now he should be back in the lineup and healthy is, is my understanding. Uh the Pacers too, you know, were were kind of nicked up. Um so I think it's kind of those those mid tier teams um that are gonna, you know, have their, their full complement of players back. Um yeah, I don't I don't know about who who gets hurt by it, who gets hurt by the layoff. It seems like um you know it seems like it would sort of be be pretty evenly distributed you know you think about the negative uh consequences of this uh you know the the sort of disruption to chemistry and rhythm it seems like that would uh you know affect everybody uh kind of the same so
0: yeah i, I don't i don't know too much about that side yeah one thing i'm curious about watching this whole experiment play out in disney is the whole idea is like a lot of these players are in their routines of, you know morning shoot around like hang out for a couple hours play play at seven o'clock your time seven thirty your time, your time then go on go home because' does only have two three courts available you're playing games throughout the day people will be do, playing at different times i feel like it's gonna be interesting to see how the players adapt to those circumstances yeah it is
3: going to be a totally different experiment i think it's um i mean the, the implication is that at least for the the regular season portion you know there's going to be something like four or five games uh i i think what i've read is that there's going to be two arenas um where they'll be playing games but even at that level four to five uh you know you're going to have at least some day games um you know and so i think it's going to be sort of more of a of a summer league atmosphere um especially with uh you know the the gyms either sort of completely empty or mostly empty um yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust their routines their schedules and then how that sort of uh, connects to intensity level and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I'm also intrigued. I've been reading some places online, ESPN, an article recently about how the league is thinking about doing things to try and give the higher seeds some kind of advantage. Obviously, not going to have home court. Some of the things like flying the floors down from their buildings to put it in the gym. They're talking about maybe giving guy, like them one player can get an extra foul a game. Like, Do you think they're going to try and do anything to help these higher seeds out? and kind of say, tough luck, this is what it is.
3: I think in the end they probably won't do anything like that. It just um it just seems absurd. <laughs> uh you know, I think it, it it just the the I don't know. I just nothing about it seems uh sort of realistic like actually sort of uh altering the fundamental rules of the game, something like giving somebody an extra foul uh just seems uh a little bit too far for me and i understand uh that you know teams played for some sort of advantage that that is now no longer there but um i you know there's already going to be so many asterisks on on what happens they're already sort of sacrificing so much it's going to be so different that uh you know trying to to recover uh
0: that home court advantage uh you know piece for teams just seems like more trouble than it's worth I'm glad you brought the asterisk angle up there because this is another thing I want to consider here. It's a scenario I don't think the NBA is addressed very well. Obviously, they're going to be doing daily testing. They're going to be checking the players all the time. Like, what happens like if we get to the playoffs and say a big star player like a LeBron or a Giannis Antetokounmpo test positive, they they're out. Their team goes out. Like, how big an asterisk is put on the whole thing if something like that happens?
3: I don't think that's going to be the issue as much. I mean, that stuff happens anyway. You know, Kevin. Kevin Durant got hurt last year in the playoffs, you know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins got hurt last year in the playoffs. You know, we had, you know, Chris Paul's, you know, bulky back uh, or hamstring or whatever it was, you know, maybe potentially cost the Rockets a, a chance at a title a couple of years ago. You know, those things happen anyway. You know, the, the, Covid nineteen as the dynamic would be something different, but you know I, I don't think that's really fundamentally any different than somebody tweaking a knee or you know uh, concussion or some other sort of injury that you know also could have happened in the past. I think the whole thing is going to be treated as so separate and different anyway in the historical context that you know something like that, a player testing positive and potentially sort of altering the outcome of the season, I, I think that's going to be less of a big deal than the fact that. It's just, you know, a, a fundamentally different uh, different thing to begin with.
0: Yeah, this whole thing is very different. It's also leading to a different NBA calendar. As I mentioned before, the NBA Finals are going to end on October 12th. We have the draft and the free agency a couple of days later. And we have, basically, they're going to try and cram the entire offseason about a month and a half. I know the player Association was a little surprised that day. Maybe it goes back towards Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. how how jam-packed did they actually fit all the stuff they normally do into one off into like a two-month two-month period they got to cut some stuff down
3: i think they'll have to cut some stuff down i think um you know there's there's a couple elements there's the the physical recharge you know like potentially whoever uh you know whoever plays in the finals if they um you know, let's say the finals go all the way to game seven, that last game is, would be October 12th. And then the season starts uh, December 1st. So, you know, uh, those two teams in the finals could potentially have six weeks off between, uh, you know, winning the finals in the beginning of next season. And that's, um, you know, that's not a lot of time for sort of physical recovery, especially if they're going to, you know, go right back into training camp. Um, But I think there's also the, the mental recovery piece and the, Uh, you know, giving organizations a chance to breathe and, and, um, Sort of take a step back, and it's sort of sort of a running joke. Uh, I know a few people who work for teams, and everybody for every team, the only time they're allowed to take vacation is in August because uh, it's the sort of the only month where there's nothing going on, there's nothing pressing, um, and so you know they work right up till summer league's over, and then you know it's like a ghost town. Everybody takes their vacations then, um, and so you know I think that that, uh, that effect uh, could be felt on the entire organization, top to bottom, sort of not having a chance to breathe, and I don't think you know, I was talking to my wife about that and she was like, Oh, well, you know, it's just like, they've had that chance now, you know, the the calendar's just shifted. They got that break a little bit earlier and then everything's going to be crammed together. And I don't think this time really counts in the same way that a normal off season uh, counts. So yeah, I think things are going to be compressed. I think next year, um, you know, I I think it it wouldn't surprise me if next year feels like uh, a lockout season or something like that, where the, the quality of play is lower Uh, you know, potentially there's a little more injury risk. Um, You know, we're obviously teams are in a different place knowledge wise than they were the last time there was a lockout. Um, So maybe it's just a lot more load management as opposed to more injuries and and teams are, are more aggressive uh, resting players and taking care of their health, knowing that there's sort of been a a shorter recovery time. Um, And then again, I think perhaps it's overblown, but you have to look at a team like the warriors who, uh, they get the full benefit of this. They are not going to be playing in the playoffs. They are almost certainly, I would imagine, going to be in the playoffs next year uh, because they are going to, you know, they're going to be uh, theoretically fully healthy. Uh, they're maybe going to have a top draft pick, or they're maybe going to be flipping that for somebody else. And so, uh, not having to come back to Orlando and participate, I think, is a huge win for the Warriors. And if you were going to look at somebody who sort of really. Uh, comes out of this scenario with a leg up for next year um you know maybe it's a very small leg up but i think uh yeah i think the warriors is the first team i would look at
0: yeah it's definitely interesting i didn't think about that one other thing that's also important out there is that sort of this idea that maybe this shift in the calendar this year maybe it becomes a more permanent deal because i know the nba everybody it opens in october everybody gets excited then everybody talks about the nba again until closer to christmas because it kind of gets buried by the nfl stretch run stuff like that do you think this this thing could consider the, lead the NBA to consider maybe pushing their calendar back and starting in December and pushing the finals into July, sort of competing for that empty space that baseball seemingly occupies right now?
3: It's hard for me to imagine that, uh, mostly just because of the financial sacrifice. I think um, I, I think this will force the league to evolve in some ways that. Um, you know, maybe, maybe try out something. I mean, we've already seen, you know, they're trying some things or at least considering some things that seemed like, uh, you know, unlikely possibilities a a few years ago, but sort of have already been talked about or always been talked about. But I think the, the dynamic that we knew for the last couple of years, that schedule, that structure, I think that was something that the league grew to grew into or evolved towards over many years Uh, in a way that maximized revenue for the teams and the league, maximized interest uh you know with accommodations made for other things like like player safety and health and and maximizing um you know the the place in the culture or whatever but uh, the the fundamental bottom line is is that business that money element uh the league has lost so much money in the past uh you know 6 8 months or whatever with the lockout uh, i think they're going to be or not the lockout the quarantine i think they're going to be looking to recover as much of that as possible and so i think they're going to try and get back to what has been the status quo
0: as as quickly as they can that's a, that's a good that's a good point not consider that element of it and the last thing i want to ask you is obviously we do have basketball coming on the court and assuming this goes off out of ahead we're playing games in orlando starting on july 31st which two teams do you think would be in the best shape to get to the nba finals
3: i'm having a hard time wrapping my head honestly around the dynamics and what's going to be different and and uh, how, you know, what's happened since middle of March, uh, changes things. So my default would be to go back to the teams that looked like the strongest in the regular season. I think the Bucks are head and shoulders above anybody else in the Eastern conference. Uh, and in the West, I think it's, you know, I think it's the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would, you know, if I was, if I was a betting man, I would, I'd be putting money on those teams
0: yeah the one thing is definitely encouraging though if you're a basketball fan is you might have wall-to-wall basketball for a solid six weeks with, with these games going all the but there's definitely a lot of fun for the fan who's still like trying to get used to this routine of you know not going out as much
3: yeah I think that's you know that's going to be a fun piece that I'm uh certainly looking forward to and uh uh, between you and I, as somebody who lives on the East Coast, I am certainly not going to complain about uh, all of the playoff games being played in the Eastern time zone. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> as somebody who I, uh, you know, the past couple of years is up till two or three a.m. Uh, catching uh, the Warriors uh, playoff wins, I'm certainly not going to uh, complain about things wrapping up a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, that will be nice, Ian. Thanks for all the time today. I Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can people follow you on social media and keep up with the stuff you're working on over at FanSided?
3: Uh, I'm on Twitter at Hickory High, and uh, uh, you can also follow our entire NBA vertical uh, at uh, the Step Back.
0: All right, Ian. Thanks again. I really appreciate. It.
3: Thanks a lot, Mike.
0: All right, and there you have it. That was Ian Levy talking about the NBA, talk about the return to play, some interesting things to consider there. Up next, we'll go into the logistics of the hub models for the NHL and the NBA we our legal correspondent Phil Freyetta right after this. <laughs> All right, we're going into the legal corner of the podcast this week, talking about the logistics of the NHL and the NBA hub models to return to play end of July, early August. Joining me today, our legal correspondent, Phil Friata. Phil, welcome. How are you?
2: Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm doing well. How about you?
0: Doing pretty good. Hanging in there, despite all the craziness going on in this world. Uh, and, you know, like I said several times off the air, people, I'm like, sports is the big toy store in the world. Like, it, I do think. There are much bigger cons- – like, the stuff we're talking about today is small potatoes, but, like, it's nice to have it as, like, a distraction when this real world gets kind of bleak.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's almost hard to even talk about sports given what's going on, but I'm, I'm happy that we're going to get an opportunity to do so and leap for 10 minutes or so and not have to worry about
0: coronavirus and police brutality and all these other issues. Yeah, I agree. We will – Tonight we're diving into the hub models that the NHL and the NBA have announced to resume their seasons. I figured we will lump them together because they're very similar concepts, and I think that makes some sense.
2: Yeah, I think so. And and you know the the NFL and the sorry uh, the NBA and the NHL I should say that they have an advantage here in that they've already played the vast majority of their seasons before they had a shutdown. so they got the gate revenue from that. It's not like baseball, which I I know uh I think we're planning on talking about in the next couple of weeks, seeing what happens. But baseball's got this problem of well, we're not going to get any gate revenue this year, so how do we split the money? At least NBA and NHL, they got most of the gate revenue. They played most of this season. Now it's just about figuring out a way to finish it off.
0: Yeah, it is, and we'll go to the NHL first because they came out last week. Right now, their model is they're going to split the league into two 12-team conference pods, the east and the west. They're going to two hub cities. We listed out the 10 last week, and a lot has changed since last week, and obviously they have not picked their hubs yet, so what would you be looking for in a hub to narrow down your list and say, these are my spots I want to go to?
2: Well, I think... A couple of things. First, obviously you want to look at geographic accessibility. You want to make it a, a place where the teams can easily congregate. It's got to be a city that has the space for that. And it's got to be, a, you don't want to make people go too far from home. So I'd look for that. But two, and probably more importantly, you got to just look at the, uh, what are the coronavirus stats? Is the virus on a downtrend here is it on an uptrend what's the hospital situation here in case people do start getting sick and what's the uh state and local governments doing you know is it is it a place where it's going to be just impossible to to really pull this off or is it one with a little more lax? so for instance like i wouldn't be setting up anything in new york right now
0: yeah, for sure. New York was not on the list, but there are some markets right now that, ha- that have had some unrest as a result of the protests against police brutality after the George Fo- after the George Floyd killing. And do you think that will cause the NHL have to wait even longer, to make their decision? Because I kind of see how the, the landscape settles down in some of these places that were on their list.
2: Possibly, sure. Uh, I think the NHL you know, they, they're not um, exactly an organization that's really Traditionally involved in any sort of political issues like that, unlike the NBA and the NFL to to, to lesser extent. Uh, but but I think that they'll definitely need to see what that situation is before they go ahead and and reopen uh, and pick a city. So so yeah, I think they're going to wait for that, and and they have some time. They I don't think they have any any sort of rush here.
0: Yeah, cuz according to the plan right now that the the league has announced the earliest or recording on Friday the 5th. They were announced that on Monday the 8th when this podcast could come out that players start reporting to their facilities for group workouts of five or six people. You have do have a lot of NHL players though who are out of market and right now the league is mandating a 14-day self-quarantine or return to your home city regardless of how you get there. So Is this a case where if you're an NHL team, you're telling your players who are overseas, get back in the country now so we can get this process started?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's going on. I think they're going to say, look, let's get back now. Let's get the process started. But the fact that they're having the 14-day quarantine and the five or six people in an arena at a time, it tells you that they're not envisioning
0: anything really getting up and going for another month or
2: so at the earliest, probably even later than that, probably looking at middle or end of July.
0: Yeah, because right now they say that the training camps, they say they're going to be early to mid july when they start. So you do have time on your side in terms of that.
2: Yeah, they they, they have time. And, and so you may as well use that time and make sure that they pick the right hub. Cause I think once you pick them, you got to stick with them. It's going to be real hard to pick a hub and then change it to, it's, it's a one and done. So make sure you make the right decision.
0: Yeah, I think, this, I think I'm think i curious if they're going to do two in the same country because of the different travel rules. I wonder if you could put both hubs in Canada or both in the U.S. Maybe, maybe make it easier in case you have to play the cup between these two teams and not have to deal with international travel rules. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I would think that they're probably going to try and put them in the United States to avoid that, but that's a good good point there. And. But, Difficult situation with hockey because of all the Canadian teams. Uh, I think, you know, that's what, what, it's seven or so. Yeah. So it uh,
0: makes it a harder harder situation, obviously, with the international travel. Yeah, they also could try and put, I think there's a couple of Canadian cities on the list. They could do two Canadian cities if they want to, but I think they may try and do in the U.S. is where the majority of these teams are based, like you said.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's what they're going to do. And, you know, it's, at the end of the day, I know the NHL has a big Canadian presence, but it is an American operation. So that, that would be my, my guess.
0: Yeah. The, the NHL also released a sort of an operations manual. I took a peek at in terms of like what they want to do to help keep get phase two going. And they release man. One thing that caught my eye was interesting is that this whole idea of like the group workouts, they're going to try and keep you in the same group of players, like as you're working out. So like, Let's say you're the Rangers. Let's say they put Artani Panera and Chris Kreider, four other skaters together in one group. You're only working out with that group when you go on the ice. You're not going to be mixing with your other teammates yet. The idea is sort of keep these people fresh and limit the circle of who interacts with each other for spread. So I think this is actually a pretty solid idea. Yeah,
2: that, that's, uh, that's a very good idea. Uh, the the less spread, the better. Uh, that's what all the public health experts have said. Uh, that they've recommended to the – even with families, if you're going to start seeing extended family, keep it in the same groups. Don't don't start commingling. So I think that's a good idea uh, for the time being. Obviously, it's a temporary solution. You're going to meet, the teams are going to have to get back together, but for now, I think it's a, it's a very good idea.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. And the thing I think is going to be key for both these leagues is the NHL has already said they're planning on doing daily testing once the games start. The NBA said the same thing, and this is something we talked about a while back when this thing really first started about how NBA teams got criticized for hogging tests when there weren't many. The testing situation has improved dramatically. We're still not testing enough. Do you think that either league will come under criticism for taking as many tests as they will require to run their leagues? If we were talking two weeks ago, I probably would have said yes.
2: Now, I I don't think so. I think there are issues in the news that, People seem to be more concerned with than who's using what tests for the coronavirus. Uh, but, but then again, we'll we'll see. You know, you have an up uptick in cases, and people may all of a sudden start caring about the tests again. But right now, I, I don't don't think so.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I also think by the time you're playing again, you're t- you're playing in late July, early August. Figure the capacity will continue to increase, so that should accommodate these situations a little better. Yeah. You would hope so. Yeah, and do you prefer, in terms of the model, would you rather see what the NHL is doing and putting these two hubs and having the league split up, or do you like what the NBA is doing better, have one campus where everybody's there and not to worry about traveling and all that? I kind of
2: like what the NBA is doing better. Uh, I, I like putting everybody in the Just eliminate the travel. Get everybody in the same area and go from there, if, if it's feasible. it's it, I understand it's difficult to find an area that can host that kind of, uh, traffic, but but I think that's a better way of doing it. Get everybody in the same area, let's cut down the travel,
0: and, and go from there. Yeah, I remember we talked on golf a couple of weeks ago, you talked about the whole idea of mitigating risk being the biggest thing that these leagues have. The NBA brings 22 teams back for their th- situation right now. We're switching gears to the NBA here. And this is something I feel like in the risk reward thing, I feel like it's a little more risky because most of the playoff races were decided at that point. I get the need that the teams want to have these games to sort of warm themselves up for the playoffs, but I feel like having twenty-two teams there for like an eight-game regular season period, I feel like that's like a little bit much.
2: Yeah, I I think it's probably an unnecessary risk to take, but I think the NBA you gotta have some sort of a warm up procedure before the playoffs. I guess they could have the teams play each other. I don't know if you really need the other the other teams. Does team twenty two really have a chance of making the playoffs? I, I don't I don't know. But end of the day it's a I don't think it's a tremendous risk, but it's it's certainly a unnecessary one.
0: Yeah, it's part of me I was sitting there wondering like why are we having Washington and Phoenix show up when they're like basically can be eliminated in two games and this like makes no sense to me.
2: I don't understand that, really. Uh, Maybe, I don't know if 22 was the right number. Maybe you needed 20. I don't know. I understand that you need a couple more because you do need to play some games. you you got to put some sort of a product out there that people want to see. Players need to warm up. But that didn't seem like the right number to me.
0: Yeah, and they are going to be playing at the Wide World of Sports Complex down at Disney World. Which I get, like I, I like the idea of the NBA sees, oh, it's a campus. We're all gonna be here. We're not gonna like go crazy and all this stuff. But like, they're gonna be the the parks itself are reopening in July as of right now. MLS is also coming down there to stage a tournament in July. Would you but you'd be concerned that you know it's not just the NBA? Like you a really thought, but now you're gonna have some people in the parks. You're gonna have the MLS there. You feel like now oh, this, this dome has got a lot bigger.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I. I don't know how the NBA plans to deal with that honestly. I, I I don't think it's realistic to say that we're gonna lock the families up in the hotel room and they're not gonna leave all day. So I, I do think the dome got a lot bigger and I don't I really don't even understand how Disney World's gonna open up, but I, I know that they say they are, so I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, indeed. We've heard heard a couple of things already about how the players be able to golf and they want to, to be able to go to the restaurants that they so out, outdoor dining if they socially distance, but can't go to the parks, family members can't go to the parks. So like it's a question of like, you know, like I get those are attempts to like give them something to do when they're not like playing games and whatnot, but like it's a feel like it's a very, very thin line you're walking.
2: Yeah. Uh I it's it's definitely a thin line. I originally envisioned a situation where everybody was going to just go there and play basketball, but that that does not seem to be the case now. So I'm I'm a little worried about it and see how it plays out. I'm a little worried about Florida's whole strategy in general, uh, but that's not, you know, that's not my decision. The the governor and the politicians down there seem to think that it's, it's in better
0: shape than other parts of the country. We'll see if that's right or not. Yeah. So, what is your big concern with the Florida strategy right now? You thought like they're opening too fast?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the state's opening too fast, and I think that it's uh, you know, flocking going to attract large crowds. Frankly, uh, I think people are going to go to Disney World. People are going to go to restaurants down there, and and you know, putting now I'm bringing the NBA in, and I'm bringing soccer players in. A lot of people in a small area that that could be could be a problem.
0: Yeah, another thing that's interesting with the strategy is the NBA said so they want to cap the number of people in their quote unquote bubble to sixteen hundred at a time. So family members can't come in until after the first round of the playoffs, and even then you can bring three in at a time. Like that's something I feel like I don't know how you're handling that because like once you bring the family in, like they who knows what they've been doing the whole time you're there. And I thought like that's another risk factor is gonna be very complicated to figure out.
2: Yeah. Almost almost impossible. You you're that is what makes this it- dealing with this virus so difficult in, in general that just you just don't know where other people have been. Yeah,
0: because 'cause I'm wondering, like, do you gonna are you gonna like make the family members quarantine for fourteen days and they show up to the bubble? I feel like that's gonna like I don't know who's gonna want to do that and like just go down there and sit in a hotel room for fourteen days before they can go out into the world again. I I don't know either. Uh that does not sound like a good situation to me. Um but
2: you know what, There's, again the the one thing to keep in mind is that these are professional basketball players, and the basketball is a part of their life, a the big part of their life. It's their, it's their job, so they obviously are willing to make some sacrifices to get on there and and play. And you know, if I, and I'm sure, there's a lot of players who want that opportunity to get a title. Whether it's you know, LeBron has has a great chance to get another one this year. You got some. New younger players, uh, like younger teams like the Bucks, Milwaukee. They they so I'm sure from those guys standpoint, they're gonna do whatever it takes to get out there and have another chance.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they will. And we're gonna talk about baseball next week on the podcast. We're gonna basically touch base and figure out like try and look at like what's going wrong with these talks because they're the only league that right now that could be in season that really doesn't have a plan to come back. Other than tennis, which has its own set of issues because of all the international travel, baseball. Which you would think, in theory, would be well positioned to come back, but sort of a teacher for next week. What do you think the big, like the big is the big hole really just the money? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the that's the only issue. Yeah, the the only issue that's out
2: there in baseball is the money. Anybody who tells you otherwise is is a liar, and it, it's it's about money, and that that's all it is. I'm still confident that there's going to be a deal. I know we're going to talk about it, so I won't go too far into it, but it's a it's a bad situation. It's about money and it really threatens the future of the sport. If they don't, if they don't come up with a deal, which is why I think they're going to, but that's what it is. You've got a, a union and ownership who do not get along and they haven't been getting along. You know, they had the whole owners are given a WWE title belt to the cheapest owner that all that. so, there's a bad relationship there, and this was the icing on the cake. But I'll I'll save uh, the rest of it for next week, and hopefully we know more by next week too.
0: Yeah, we're basically recording like on Fridays right now to see like what happens, and we've hit two for two with the golf and the NBA. I feel like we will have an answer next week, one way or the other. That's my gut.
2: Well, if they intend to play by July four weekend, they're going to need to come up with an answer. Probably Probably by the beginning of this
0: week, if, or next week, I should say, if not by the time we record next week at the very latest. Yeah. The question I've always said is like, if you're MLB, like, and you have your draft being televised on ESPN next week, you really want like your event being overshadowed by people asking questions about whether or not you're actually going to play baseball this year? No, I don't think so. Uh, So I I think that over this coming weekend, like you
2: said, today's Friday, uh, so I think over this coming weekend you're gonna have a clearer
0: pick here on if there's a deal or if there's not a deal. Indeed. We'll talk about that next week next week. Phil, thanks for all the time, I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, uh thanks thanks for having me on again. Um
0: excited to come on and talk baseball next week. Uh, you and I have been talking about it a lot, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we would take the off air conversations on air next week, that's for sure. Up next, our pop culture portion of the program, we're going to talk a little Space Jam with our pop culture correspondent, Sam DeRosa, right after this.
1: Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All 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 right.
0: All right, back here on the podcast. Time to wrap it up so we have a little pop culture. The last couple of weeks of kind of theming our pop culture segments, we did golf movies, Alan Austin, two weeks ago. Last week, Pete Considori gave us his favorite hockey movies. This week, we are talking about one basketball movie only. We have one that has to be discussed. It is the great Space Jam. And bringing us home this week with the Space Jam coverage, our pop culture correspondent, probably the number one Space Jam fan I know, Sam DeRosa. Sam, welcome. How are you?
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. I like the introduction very yeah. much.
0: <laughs> it, it is not. It is accurate, is it not?
1: No, I okay. You, I'll let it be accurate. I don't think I'm the all time like number one Space Jam fan, but I feel like I'm up there. I said the no-
0: well. To be fair, I said the number one Space Jam fan I know.
1: Okay, all right. So, all right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll get to Space Jam in just a minute. Before we get started, though, I want to ask you, because this is a basketball theme thing. We're not talking a little Jordan today. You watched The Last Dance. What were your thoughts on the whole thing?
1: I did. Um, I thought it was one of the best. I know it sounds like lame. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen. Um, I thought it was very well done, very well documented. Uh, it was just like, it was really cool to see, like, when you're, I was little when Jordan was really popular. Um, it was it was just really awesome to see behind the scenes, the truth behind, you know, Jordan's truth behind everything. Uh, I was a very, I was really sad to see it end. We'll just put it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we had another like ep- couple of episodes coming out of it. I did love how honest Jordan was with the whole thing. Like we got to see the real him for the first time, I think like ever. I think he came out a huge winner from it.
1: Yeah, and I think that like we now will see the t- more true Jordan going on in life than we have before. I feel like he's been very like like closed off, and then this documentary, since it has such good reviews and like positive, um, you know, reactions to it, that we'll see more of who he is as a person.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. And let's get into his other work here, his other pop culture work. We we'll get the Space Jam. So, nah. do you remember the first time you saw Space Jam?
1: Yeah, um, my first time I saw Space Jam, I was at Iona College day camp. I was like, 98. The movie, what, came out in like 96 or something. Yep. Um, so a couple of years, out, 96, I was three, you know, sorry to put my age out there. Uh, so I was a little too young to fully, like, understand it. But I remember the first time seeing it was a rainy day. We were uh, at the Hagen School of Business way back then. Uh, we sat in the basement and watched it on a rainy day and I was like, this is the best movie that has ever been created. Like, I was just super excited to watch it, being like six years old, five, six years old.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, this came out and like, I was right in that sweet spot when it came out, like being like, you know, six, seven years old. and like, this is awesome. Like, Jordan's playing Basil the Looney Tunes. Like, all the, <laughs> like, all the cartoon stuff was so funny. Like, I remember like, as you watch it as you're an adult, obviously you're like, Okay, this is hella corny, but it's still a lot of fun.
1: Well, I mean, I thought, you know, like, even looking back now, I'm like, this is great animation for yeah. that time being. Like, I was, like, super stoked about it. I'm like, he's in Toontown. Like, this is so cool. Like, I don't know. Even now, I'm still pretty excited about
0: it. Yeah, I was definitely fun to watch. And let's not give anybody, anybody uh, any further delay. Let's go to the good old-fashioned spoiler warning. I don't know why we're putting it up here, but it is tradition when we talk about whoa, movies. Well, whoa, whoa, that's
1: like, what, 24 years in the making? There's plenty yep. of time to watch this. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, so just for tradition. Again, people, if you are not seen Space Jam, what's wrong with you? Go watch the movie and then come back and listen to this. But I got to say, it's definitely it was fun going back into it. And I talk about the top of the show, like, you know, how crazy the world is right now. And it was nice to, you know, take, like, just take a scale a little bit, go into Toon, go into Toon World, see Jordan the Toon, suiting up, playing some basketball. It was definitely a nice refresher considering the environment we're in right now.
1: Yeah, no, it was great to be like, you know what, I'm going to, it's an excuse to fire up my DVD player, like, turn on a, like, you know, like lighthearted movie. It was just great. And I'm like, more Michael Jordan, sign me up.
0: Yeah, indeed. And one thing I forgot about watching this is, like, Man, the opening credits of this movie were long.
1: <laughs> so long. I also yeah. like when you mentioned that earlier. Uh, I was just like, "You're so right. That yeah. is a very long opening <laughs> sequence." Like, yeah, it's like
0: we listed. We listed like every. Like, obviously, I mean, Jordan's gonna stop billing Bugs Bunny being second is hilarious. I still love that to this day that he's the second yeah. credited person in this movie, and then. It's like we got through all the best players, all the other actors, and we basically went through every production it felt like to get to, the, as excuse to show Jordan highlights in the open. I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, too, because I think this is the first time where I'm like, wow, this is really dragging. Like, maybe I'll hit the fast-forward button for a couple, like, of minutes. Like, yeah. nuts.
0: Yeah, and the whole movie is only 97 minutes, so it's not like there's a lot of, like, actual <laughs> stuff in there.
1: Yeah, it's probably seven minutes of opening credits, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was seven minutes opening credits, and I did enjoy that. And the obvious thing we have to go to after watching The Last Dance, wait, do you feel that either uh, Swackhammer or Stan, the guy played by Wayne Knight, is either of them or both of them possibly a metaphor for Jerry Kress?
1: Um, When I'm, like, approaching about this idea, I, like, didn't even, it didn't approach my mind because, honestly, like, i just like keep things that, like i can't you know i keep things separate in my brain but once he saw him, i was like oh my god they're both him yeah it's, like i can see both of them being him especially stan because like that backwards uh that stage footage um you know dancing and stuff with the team with the bulls i was just like oh my god it's stan he's like kind of like um what's the, i can't think of the word but, like, you know, he's there, like, all the time, like, trying to be their buddy-buddy and everything. So, yes. I'm like, oh, my God, that's definitely him.
0: Yeah, I definitely saw that. I also saw, like, the way the Swackhammer cartoon look was, like, way too reminiscent of Jerry Krause's, like, actual figure.
1: Yeah, without, like, fully being
0: identical to him. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, down to the habit of smoking his cigars, I'm like, wow, they really took a shot at Jerry Krause here.
1: Yeah, I'm—because, you know, um, since he's passed away— but I'm very curious
0: of what he thought.
1: Too bad we don't have his
0: thoughts on this. Yeah. Somewhere hidden, maybe we have it. But yeah, I had this. That was definitely interesting. I also want to say another funny thing I noticed. i watching this movie is like, do you remember the orientation video that the tune that the Looney Tunes show the nerd looks about basketball? Yeah. Yeah, I I did not notice. And still, like went back to this viewing. Every shot that they take in the orientation video is a miss.
1: I didn't realize that until you pointed that out.
0: Yeah, because I'm watching this, and, like, literally, they're just breaking shots, and, like, you couldn't have gone through the footage <laughs> and just showed them getting makes, at least. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. I didn't, like, honestly, God, until you said that right now. I didn't even realize that.
0: Yeah, because... That's too funny. They they do the old orientation. They're like, oh, back, at, like, this is the game of basketball. Five players are on a uh-huh. team, and they're showing them shooting, and then and, like, the old black and white, and, like... It's like a like it's bricks. It's air balls. And yeah. like, it just. Oh, my God. It just reminds me – That
1: makes it, me like this movie more. I didn't think I can like this movie more.
0: Yeah. It just reminds me – This is a bad, like, joke comparison. I remember a couple of years ago, I, forget, I think – I forget which show it was. I want to say it was The Soup, maybe. Made a fake commercial mm-hmm. about the WNBA where they – just showed, like, the entire commercial was, like, WNBA players missing, like, layups and baskets, and they're, like, trying to get you hyped for the WNBA. Sort of what the tone would this end up being.
1: Oh, damn. I,
0: I just I just thought that was hilarious.
1: Not no, the, it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I had no words. Like, I didn't even realize that.
0: Yeah, it was definitely interesting, and I will say, watching this after watching the last dance is definitely interesting because you do pick up some things. I think the Jordan, like, obviously the Swackhammer... Stan stuff was mm-hmm. was fun. I did enjoy the Jordan betting at the golf course with Larry Bird and, and Bill Murray, because now that feels more realistic. Now he got a deeper dive into his betting.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, like, I knew he always enjoyed golf, but, like, you know, this, like, you know, watching the last dance and everything really, you know, amplified that. They amplified his relationship with Larry Bird. Like, I really liked that aesthetic of the last dance. And it made me like when I rewatched Space Jam, I'm like, That's so cute. Like they're friends, like, you know, being who I am and all.
0: Yeah. That was that was fun. I remember before that we did get also the great Mont like winery. I tried to find it online, it was just not on YouTube anywhere. Of Stan Lee listing off all of Jordan's sponsors in one thing, like, Yeah, we'll get in the car I get in the car, grab your Nikes, we'll drink some Gatorade, we'll go pick up Big Mac on the way to the game.
1: Yeah, that was just very like creatively done. That yeah. was really good. Like, yeah,
0: that, that was the first like part of the movie where I basically just burst out laughing. I'm like, this is just so blatant like product placement that they just threw it in there.
1: Yeah, and it's just like great because like as a kid, you know what I mean. Like if you were like a an adult, basically in the '90s, you understood everything that went on. But as a kid, you know, it just goes right over your head. So like rewatching it, even with this last dance and everything. It's just like really it just solidifies like you're just like wow, I'll also make you an adult which kind of sucks, you know, but <laughs> it's just really cool to like be on a different level with a movie that you're just so used to.
0: Yeah, indeed. I also forgot they spent so much time with Jordan playing baseball in the movie and that Stan actually worked for the minor league baseball team. I did. Yes, yes. I forgot that so much. I forgot I forgot the great scene with the catcher basically tipping all the pitches to Jordan to try and get him a hit and he couldn't do it. I thought that was yeah. funny.
1: That was great. I love that. They're like, oh, he's gonna throw a fastball,
0: swing. Yeah. And they're like, don't swing. And then yeah. he's like, what are you telling me? Like, yeah. yeah. That was that was great. I also enjoyed our our like your your favorite Bill Murray his appearance in this thing. I do want to point out one fashion football you had there. His um, all
1: right. What is it?
0: The umbrella hat at the golf game. I have <laughs> to. I have to say. i have to say that one. What the hell's
1: going on out here? I
0: I love Bill, but what's it's he doing with that hat? <laughs>
1: He's Bill freaking Murray. He can wear whatever the heck he wants, and it's totally acceptable, like, from, like, end of his life, like, you know, even back then, but I freaking, I, like, okay, so this is, honest to God, this had to be my first ever introduction to Bill Murray, and I remember, like, leaving, watching this from, like, some classroom in a college, like, you know, college classroom, and thinking, holy crud, I don't know who this person is, but he is funny, and that is where the love of Bill Murray for me started, was back in, like, 98,
0: 99. So. That is definitely.
1: Umbrella hat and all, you know? Like, what can I say? Like, he's Bill Murray. Like, there's no excuse.
0: Yeah. I also loved his running of him trying to convince people he could play in the NBA throughout the movie. I thought that was great also.
1: <laughs> yes. I literally like his, like, the whole point with, uh, after, like, Stan takes a picture of Michael and he gets sucked down the golf hole. Yeah. And he's like, don't point that thing at me. Like, <laughs> it's just like so funny. Like, and the whole thing, like, you know, no spoilers because this is a 20 something year old movie. But he, uh, when he's like, well, like, what are we going to do? Like, Michael Jordan. And, he, and literally, Bill Murray goes like, da, 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 da. and he, you know, like that whole entrance was great. Like, what kid knows about Bill Murray? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what child knows about him? But he's funny. He's relatable. He doesn't play defense. Yeah. He's a great. He's great. He's a great addition to this
0: movie. Yeah, on there obviously because his for, former Ghostbusters co-star Ivan Reitman helps direct the movie. I gets get, gets Bill Murray in, and I do also love this conversation. The golf cart, Larry Bird, after you know, he he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, yo, you know, like Jordan got a one. We'll just give ourselves twos on this hole. He's doesn't here to see it. We're too, we're too traumatized to putt after that."
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I just love this movie. It's just like, it's such a secret gem and yep. people just like write it off. It's so good. It's so good.
0: Yeah. I also love the bit. Like I also forgot how funny the play of the NBA players trying to figure out what happened to their talent was. I, I did enjoy it. Oh my that.
1: God. It's so funny.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about the choice of the five players we had here. Cause obviously Charles Barkley, star of the time. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing. Great choice. Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues on the Hornets, I could get, because they were kind of a hot like, team at the time. How did Sean Bradley... Oh, wait,
1: I love Muggsy, though. Yeah. But I love Muggsy. He was great. He was, I, said, like, I said he was fine. To me, super short. like You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Muggsy's great. I think he's very, like, I'm very pro-Muggsy.
0: Yeah, I'm pro-Muggsy, too. I, I He was funny. My question is, why was Sean Bradley in this movie?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. He was in the 76ers at the time, right?
0: He was on the Nets, I think, possibly. I'm not. I don't remember.
1: Okay. Yeah. I feel like I couldn't remember if he was on the '76 at the time or whatever. You know yeah. what? Maybe he was good friends with Jordan at the time or something. We don't know these things, you know, as like viewers. We don't know Jordan. We don't know Bradley, but I have no idea. But there he was. I honestly, to be completely honest with you, he was the only player where I was like, what the hell is his name again? Yeah. To be honest with you, not to be rude or to, like, step on anybody's toes, but he was the only one I was like, Oh, I can't, I don't know his name.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you look at that lineup, you're like, which one of these things doesn't belong? It's Sean Bradley. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Poor Bradley. I feel like he'll never hear this either, but I'm so sorry, Bradley. <laughs> like, so sorry, Sean, about this, but here we are.
0: I will say, though, the exaggerated part of him just stumbling along the core after the, mon- the Nardlocks took his talent was actually pretty funny.
1: Is it, he you know well you know what maybe he was like the best actor maybe like michael jordan's like you know what sean bradley he's a good actor like he's really good at it who knows yeah that's gonna be my little uh hypothesis for you
0: i will say also like the scenes of them basically like all wearing the masks to like because they're concerned about the gas like potentially like stealing their talent and then they <laughs> saying basically saying we're not playing any more games to find out what happened to these players i was like that hell a little too close to home
1: Oh yes, yes, it was. It didn't.
0: Age, the joke didn't age well in 2020. Yeah, I was. I, that's one I forgot about. I'm like, that didn't age very well, and this is not doesn't sit well in 2020. But the NBA is coming back, so that's at least a positive. Yeah,
1: exactly. We take what we can get,
0: right? Yeah, And I do think we have to take what we can get, and I want to talk a little bit more about the tunes, and the, obviously <laughs> we had to get to them. I and I want to start off with. Before we get there, Stan, poor Stan, when he thinks he's lost Michael Jordan, how long do you think it took him to dig up that entire golf course?
1: Knowing uh, Stan, quote unquote, Newman from yeah. Good Old Seinfeld, yeah. probably like half the afternoon, because yeah. I feel like he's a very driven individual. Yeah. So I feel like he's like, crap, I totally lost my job. I'm going to dig as quick as I can. He probably has solicited some help, secretly, off camera. But, uh, definitely be, like, half-afternoon, right like, to dust, you know, right to the, right when it gets dark outside. That's my guess.
0: Yes, indeed. That was, that was definitely interesting. When we see him, he actually finds his way into Tomb World because, because he happens to catch, like, bu- <laughs> Bugs and Daffy, like, coming back with, with all Jordan's gear. And I just love. Oh, yeah. And that's is also the part where you maybe think that he was a cross metaphor because, Lily Jordan is like, oh, why is he here? And, like. He basically puts him <laughs> on, puts him on the bench next to like the Looney Tune grandma, and he's like, well, "It's gonna take a while for us to play." He's like, "I'm a cheerleader."
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And then they put him. In, oh, I can't even get in there. I, I'll just, I too, too far off our subject.
0: Yeah, definitely a little, a little bit out there. And this is also the first appearance in the Looney Tune universe of Lola Bunny. So, how did you feel about the about Lola Bunny going back, watch this again?
1: Um, you know, like looking back on everything, um. I remember, you know, separately, because we're friends outside the podcast, talking about how, like, you know, when, like, when I was little, you know, I didn't have a lot of, like, WNBA players to look up to, because it wasn't as uh, popular back in, like, the late 90s, at least, like, in my sector of the world. Um, So, like, yeah, I wanted to be, you know, like, Michael Jordan. I wanted to be, you know, like, the Chicago Bulls, like, everybody on there. Um, Like, Dennis Wadman, because I love playing defense. But, like, Lola Bunny, I'm like, oh, my goodness, she be, like, a girl and play basketball. And that was, like, really cool. So I loved Lola Bunny. Also, she, like, kicked butt. That was awesome, too, you know? She wasn't just, like, like, like oh, look at me. I'm playing baseball. Like, back- oh, my God, baseball. You see where my brain is yes. um, from our earlier conversation. Um, but, like, say, oh, my God, I, like, I played, like, basketball. And I kick ass at it. And that was great. Seeing that as, like, you know, a five-, six-year-old kid like awesome she was so cool
0: yeah and big props to the directors for actually making her like be like the second best player on the Toon squad after Jordan and like she was better than any of the other tunes in there none of them could call the candle to Lola's playing ability
1: no I mean I do have my suggestions for a different Looney Tunes player that should be super great but that's for a different conversation I guess or a later question who knows
0: yeah, we could discuss this a bit because, I mean, we could talk a little bit about the starting lap of Jordan Pax because Jordan, obviously, is starting himself. He starts Lola and Bugs Bunny. He starts Daffy Duck, and he, and he starts Taz. Do you like that starting fight? Yeah. You, there somebody else should have put in there.
1: Honestly, Daffy Duck always been an issue with me. I love Tweety Bird post-Michael Secret stuff. Yeah, Like, you know, I love Tweety Bird, super biased. He's great. Tweety Bird, I think, is a secret weapon, honestly. But they didn't utilize him as much as I thought they should have.
0: Yeah, I thought they utilized him not enough. I also think that they did not utilize the Roadrunner's speed enough.
1: Yeah. Also, they stuck with Tweety in an iron lung. No need. No need for that. He's a bird.
0: Yeah yeah it was not it was definitely interesting I will say obviously we watched we gotta talk about this game because obviously they get cr- <laughs> being crushed the first half and they go in they have the secrets they had the, they had the Mike gives them the speech but everyone the sleep bugs gives them the secret sauce to get everybody fired up and I have to say they come out of the gates in the second half they go put together the greatest run in <laughs> basketball history
1: <laughs> hands down they,
0: to reset for people. The Toon Squad was down sixty six to eighteen at the half. They cut it to sixty eight sixty six. They wanted a forty eight to two run for a quarter and a half. <laughs> what a run! <laughs> that is the stuff of legends, right there.
1: Definitely, and also would only happen in like Toontown. Yeah. You know, yeah. like very Toontown esque
0: Yeah, I mean, we get all the the tunes doing their things. They're doing their own little tricks to get the, to score the points. I want to you know what happens. So, um, what's that? Well, like, Stan's in
1: it too, though. Like during that run, Stan gets to go in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Stan gets to go in late in the fourth quarter. We'll get to him in a minute. But I also want to say like, did, like when Jordan makes the deal with, with Swackhammer to basically trade, mm-hmm. the to, trade the talent back at the risk of himself going to the park. I'm like, you know, he's going to win. But at the time, are you, David Daffy's like, are you sure? But I was like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, that's not a great idea. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was interesting, you know, after watching The Last Dance yeah. and everything with his quote-unquote gambling, you know, issues or yeah. whatever. Um, So that might have been just a nice, like, little playful jab at Michael. Yeah. And, like, because, like I said, I was too young to fully understand what, like, a gambling yeah. thing was. You know, being, like, five, six years old. But, like, looking back at now, I'm like, can't. At least, you know, like, Michael Jordan, he could take a joke at his own expense. Yeah. Because he knew that's what was going in there. He yeah. had to have like last day and everything. Yeah, that was cute. like you know what I mean. Like yeah. that was nice. I'm like Michael Jordan. He has to be someone of a good guy to let that slide.
0: He does, and also I want to point out poor coach of my swag hat never calling a timeout to stop the tune squad's momentum.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> he just let that run keep going and going and going until it got way too late.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, you know, and it's it, you know it's Toontown. Things happen like this, it's classic yeah. cartoon world situation. Like nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah, nothing you can do about it until so they get a change in tactics. Because at that point, he basically Swaghammer has the Monstars as the monstars basically do the Jordan rules on the Toon Squad, where they're basically just beating them up to get them out of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, God, it's so funny too. Side note: yeah. I just call that character. Danny DeVito. Okay. I don't care what the hell his name is. It's Danny DeVito. Yeah. He is the, an alien who owns like an amusement park that wants Michael Jordan to play there for the rest of his time. They lose. Yeah. So to me, every time you say the character's name, it's just Danny DeVito.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we get... I Also, that was another good last dance thing I'm, they see now. Obviously, the Jordan rules thing. We get to the point where poor Stan has to come in the game, and then he, like, he gets one basket somehow before he gets completely <laughs> wrecked. <laughs>
1: He gets literally flattened. Yeah. To a pancake.
0: Yeah. That was a fantastic visual. On the, I was laughing so hard when they reinf- re-inflated Stan.
1: Yes. Also, um, me being five years old at heart, uh, the whole thing pumping him with air and then making the farting noises that really hit home for five year old Sam. You know.
0: Yeah. Sounds like it hit, it hit home for twenty twenty Sam too.
1: You know what? Yeah. It did. It yeah. did and I still chuckled and I still found it very amusing. So yeah. thank you for that space jam.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you for that space jam. And then we get the great final sequence where Jordan's like at they're down a point. The mar- like the Martian comes up, and like, You're down a player, you have to get into the guy oh, was your forfeit and then out of nowhere, Bill Murray just happens to show up. <laughs> up. That like- <laughs>
1: brings a tear to my eye every time I watch the movie, like Bill Murray just coming in strong, you know? Like he's like there in his red T shirt and his Bill Murray jersey, which I do have a replica of and I wear it every Halloween because I love his character so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, is the yeah, he comes on. I love like how he's like <laughs> I love the scene when he's in the hall trying to coast the play and then the Bob's like, We're on defense And he's like, Okay, you talk Michael, I don't do defense.
1: Yeah, that, and also, um, they're like, how did you get here? And he's like, I know, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was a great breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah. Classic Phil Murray. So good.
0: Yeah, so what is your personal theory of how he got there? Because obviously he doesn't explain very much in the
1: movie. 100% he got a call from his agent on his like on his rotary phone, which he has. And he's like, you know what, Michael Jordan needs me. Yeah. And honest to God, I think he just walked right to the golf course, got sucked right down down. To Toontown, he walked in like it was an every other day project, you know? Yeah. So that's Bill Murray. Yeah. Nothing stays with him.
0: No, it doesn't. I mean, he, he gets in around the play, he has some decent moves, and then obviously Jordan's taking the last shot, and like Bill's like open. He's like, you know what? Like, uh, better off you keep it. Like, I don't want this last shot.
1: <laughs> the fact that he's like, I don't play defense. I'm so mad too because I did my graduation cap uh, for my undergraduate. I don't know if you're familiar with Ghostbusters. Yep. He's like, Ray, I think he can hear you. Well, you know, it's like, Ray, you know what I mean? I don't know if you remember that part. I'm probably butchering the line. Please don't hate me, internet. It's been a long day. It is actually late at night right now um, while we're recording. But uh, I think it's time to graduate. Ray was my graduation cap in undergrad. And all I wanted to do for graduate for my graduate program that which we were both a part of was to do a space jam themed hat with him on it but i couldn't think of anything so i left it blank uh out of respect for bill murray because i didn't want to do anything that bill murray would not approve of
0: yeah that's definitely fair i I do i do love the fact that bill murray goes out on top here after he gives the assist on the game-winning basket and jordan (laughs) does the cartoon arm dunk before as time expires and I love how the storyline of Bill trying to become an NBA player comes to an end here where Jordan's like, you should play. You got games. Like I'm done. I'm going out on top.
1: Yeah. And he has to go ice down his knees. Who knew I would relate to that so much at an adult level, you know, so many years later.
0: Yeah. The shot of him like hobbling off the court is just hysterical.
1: (laughs) He's great. I don't care what anybody says about him. I think he's great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do think it's great. Then we see, the obviously, get to the end. Jordan gives the NBA guys their talent back. He comes back to the NBA, and then, and then we get our happily ever after. I think it's – I forgot how funny it is when Jordan comes off the toon, the Looney Tune car onto the baseball field. Everyone's like, ooh.
1: I know. It was just such an – like, for such a small part of his career, being uh you know, quote-unquote professional baseball player, uh, they played a lot into that, more than basketball, in a way, you know?
0: Yeah. I do think it was interesting also. I Remember from the last dance they talked about the filming of the movie and he said that he would basically play pickup games with people at night after he did all the filming and he was basically using mm-hmm. those games to scout his opponents. I'm like I wish we could have gotten the footage of that like, on the on like the Space Jam DVD of some of these these pickup games. Yeah,
1: right, A little yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Action like we paid for the DVD, we should get some behind the scenes that like footage.
0: Yeah. Cause we saw the camera crew, was like, it was filmed. We saw him there, and we saw like guys like Reggie Miller there. We saw like all the NBA mm-hmm. guys there. Like, I would have loved to see just these guys playing like shirts on skins basketball.
1: Honestly, like just thirty seconds. We're yeah. not asking you for a full minute. Just yeah. like give us a little bit, like a little tease. Like that, we, we know the footage is there. Yeah. We don't have it, but boy, are we jealous that you have it.
0: Yeah, and obviously, we bring us up now because there is a sequel in the works. Did you know that there were a couple of attempts to spin the franchise off in a different direction after Space Jam? No,
1: after- I actually did not know that at all. Like, like I've heard some things, I'm not sure if they're true or they're on my own part of my own imagination, but it, honest to God, no, I have not.
0: So basically the story is here that they were trying to get Jordan to do Space Jam 2, he did not want to do it. They talk about some other like sports themed or like other themes of a space jam movie. Bring the tunes in with a live action star. So give I'll give you a couple of them. This is off the wiki, so I don't know how ac- accurate they actually are, but here are a couple. Would you like spy jam with Jackie Chan? I
1: don't know. What year is it?
0: No, this is these are ones that were flowing and never got made.
1: Okay. Depending on the year, I definitely might want to see that.
0: So that was one. That was basically the premise end up being more from the Looney Tunes back in action. That was the original. Okay. Idea. Oh, all
1: right, all right. I'm not gonna lie, it's yeah. a poor movie, but yeah. I actually enjoy it.
0: Would Jackie Chan improve the movie?
1: I love Jackie Chan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's gonna be interesting. I think there's a thirty for thirty on him oh, not not him, my mistake. That's Bruce Lee. That's a different Bruce person. Bruce
1: Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Regardless Both of them They're great But I think it's so I can't flip around And do cool stuff Watching Jackie Chan's Earlier work Is just so freaking awesome Wait I'm so sorry To interrupt I'm on a Jackie Chan train
0: (laughs) No worries about that one Another option Race Jam With Jeff Gordon
1: No 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 I don't understand NASCAR. Never will Mm -mm. That doesn't I'm so glad That did was not made So glad
0: Skate Jam With Tony Hawk
1: That would have been So awesome I'm so (laughs) upset yeah, they I'm d- so sorry now. You know what, though? They can do it now because Tony Hawk's on the up and up.
0: Yeah, Tony Hawk could do it if they weren't doing Space Jam too. The other one that was a full possibility was a golf theme one with Tiger Woods.
1: Ugh. I'm so sorry. And, again, golf, I get it. It's a great sport. I don't understand it. But, no. Um, All I think about is, I don't know if you've ever seen, and I know I'm dating myself completely off topic, the month you know, Sesame Street, Elmo and Grouseland.
0: Yeah, I've seen it. Remember, not in a while, but I have.
1: Okay, but he, Elmo loves Tiger Woods. So that yeah. couldn't have never, that could have never worked. Too, it's too conflicting with two different worlds of children's entertainment, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm really upset of this Tony Hawk thing.
0: Yeah, that would have been interesting. I would have liked to see Tony Hawk. If with anyone's
1: listening now, I totally wish to watch Tony Hawk do skateboarding stuff with the Tunes, and also they're revamping the Tony Proc- uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater as I smoosh all my words together. You know, they're coming out with that. They're re-realizing that soon, so maybe we can have a space or a toon skate, or I don't even know, but I'd be very excited for
0: that. It would be, but right now we do have Space Jam 2 coming up. LeBron is in it, and this is the only cast we know so far. LeBron's in it. Don Sheila is it, but he does not saying who he's playing. It is not himself. He's playing an actual character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Seneca Martin Green is playing LeBron's wife. When when we mm-hmm. when we did the we talked about this back, I think in February of mm-hmm. 19, yep. uh, nineteen, we talked about this idea. We whiffed on all the NBA players that were in this. We got none of them right. Yep. Yeah. The current no,
1: he didn't I was thinking about that too. Yeah.
0: We, I mean, the NBA players is Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Damian Willard, Kyle Kuzma, Chris Paul. Not bad. I think our cast was better.
1: I like. I mean, I like, I don't know. I'm very excited to see Clay Thompson and Chris Paul in there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just with my bias, you know, because I like them as players. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm just, I don't know. I just, I'm very worried about this movie. So I don't want to say too many, like, negative things because it might blow my mind and it might be great, you know?
0: Yeah. One thing you did get right, though, you did say there would be WNBA presents in this movie. You do have three WNBA players are going to cameo in this movie: Diana Tarazi, uh, Chini Ungumake and Neka Ungwumike are both all going to be in the movie.
1: Yep, and also, um, what? Uh, oh my god, I'm just like so excited! Like, not the fact that I got that right with WNBA players, uh, but the whole fact that there's going to be like women basketball players in the movie. I'm really hoping that, like, if it's similar to Space Jam, like, the original plot, uh, that they steal WNBA players because they're like, wow, we learned our lesson last time. We could take from the NBA. We have to take from the WNBA. That's my little, like, I hope that kind of happens, you know?
0: Yeah, I wonder what the angle is going to be, though, because LeBron is still playing basketball, so it'll be interesting to see what direction they use to get him in this story.
1: I have no idea. Like, I was honestly, like, debating this all day. Like, what it's going to be about. And I literally can't fathom, like, um, anything. Honestly, I'm not, like, I can't think that, like, is this in the future and LeBron's, like, looking back on his career or he's telling a story of, like, a certain incident. Like, I'm just, I don't know. This is very interesting.
0: I'm also very shocked Dwayne Way is not in this because he and LeBron are, like, best friends.
1: Yeah, you know. Then you get to the whole professional thing where you're, like, there could have been scheduling issues yeah. or... Okay. He didn't actually want to be in it or something, or he didn't get enough money for it. So doesn't it stink when you're actually in the uh, field that you learn all these things? It just takes away the fun, the magic of it, you know?
0: Yeah. We talk about that was the top of the show too. It's like with baseball right now. Like I don't really Mm -hmm. love hearing about the money fighting here. I'd rather just get this saddle, get them on the field.
1: Baseball is literally at the like forefront of my brain. As my mess up earlier, as you heard me say, baseball, not basketball. Yeah. I'm just stressed about, you know, everything going on in the world right now. Yeah. yeah. So bas- you, you can tell that baseball is making me all sorts of feelings, all the feelings through baseball.
0: Yep, indeed. And I'm looking forward I'm sure, like, usually about six months before the movie comes out, we get a trailer. So it's coming out in July. I expect by Christmas we're getting a trailer for Space Jam too.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, like, do you think it's actually going to come out then, though?
0: I think as long as theaters are open, they will, because they had finished production, but when the pandemic started, they had the wrap party, I think, right before all the lockdowns happened. I think they were just working on animation, because it can be done remotely.
1: That is true. I was just, you know, pessimistic, Sam. It's like, it's not going to come out this year. They're going to wait. That's my fear. So I don't want to get my hopes, too, if that's going to come out this year, you know.
0: They have July 2021. I I think by, by then it should be fine.
1: I really hope so. I thought it was supposed to come out this summer, and that's why.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff supposed to come out this summer. A lot of it has not come out yet. So, the, like <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's very true. It is very true. And last, I want to thank you for all your time. Before we get to the end, though, I want to ask you, as i to ask everybody who's been on this spot this week, what's the stuff you've been streaming lately?
1: Um, what have I been streaming? I've been doing a lot of catch up, um, on just like older shows. But uh just started Space Force on Netflix. Uh, very funny and I think it's very well um, made and everything acted by Steve Carell, Lisa Kudrow um, I've also I watched the entirety at Outer Banks I'm still processing everything um, so you know, I'll take that as it is I finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine I finished Golden Girls uh, I still am saving the last Tiger King episode for a super rainy day but that's why I've been streaming. I've been trying to be well-rounded in all of my streaming services. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I get you. I, by the way, I did actually finish Tiger King.
1: You watched every single episode. Don't don't. Uh, I just saw something in the news. I don't know. Did you see that today? Yeah. What happened with Carol Baskin?
0: Yep, I saw that. That she she got Joe Exotic zoo
1: baffled. You need to make a second season. This documentary is still going. I feel so bad for that man who yep. has created this documentary. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's such a. It's such a dumpster fire. Like you were right. I did enjoy it, but at the end of it, I did seriously. Like I. As I told Pete Lazig, I was sitting there going, "What the hell's going on out here?" Like these are awful people. All of them.
1: All of them. I like, just straight across the board. Every single person in that documentary. And I'm actually thinking about as you made that awesome documentary about yeah. the history of the home run. Like, imagine if that was, like, you went in thinking about that, and it ended up being this, like, multi-year, like, multi-person, like, this complex documentary. Like, I, I just can't thank my lucky stars that I did not have to do that documentary for my master's thesis.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: all I thought about watching the entire time. Like, wow, so glad that's not me.
0: Yeah, that was something else. And I will say also, the eighth episode, the bonus episode, is a letdown.
1: It's a letdown.
0: Yes, it's literally just Joel McHale, like, Skyping with different people who were on the show. And none of them really add much to it. Oh,
1: seriously?
0: That's all it is. That's not Okay, like...
1: so maybe I will never watch that eighth episode then.
0: I watched it. It was literally, like, watching paint dry. because Joel McHale literally just talking to a bunch of people in there. He talks to Jeff and Lauren no. Lowe. He talks to Safi. He talks to uh... – he doesn't even talk to, like, Doc Anthel or any of them. He talks – I will say see... Oh, I'm
1: sure they didn't allow that after. I'm yeah. sure they felt embarrassed by their, you know, their per- – like what it look like on uh, the documentary, but isn't Joel McHale the guy from Community? Yep. See, that's another thing. I watched watched one seasons one through five. Could not finish season six.
0: Yeah, so maybe this this downtime while we're still waiting for sports to come back, we got another month and a half. It sounds like though we get something. So maybe we'll finish Community oh. then.
1: Maybe it's like pulling teeth at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen um, Criminal Minds?
0: I have not. It was a little too gory for me when it came on.
1: Gotcha. Well, it's on Netflix, I believe, as of today. Yeah. Um, really good. You know, really good thing to just like put on and not really pay attention to because there's no like big big clock. Yeah. Um, but there is. I don't remember the actress's name, but she's in Community in season six, and I'm just like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, if this is what you did after Criminal Minds and. Then- it's not as funny, you know, there's no Donald Glover, so it's just no heavy Case. It's kind of a letdown. Like, the, I, I, try to, I think I watched two episodes, I couldn't finish it. I don't even know if I'm going to finish it, to be completely honest with you.
0: That's a cliffhanger for next time. We'll ask you, next time you're on, we'll find out if you actually finish it or not.
1: Watch me not. <laughs> That's my bet. I'm betting against myself. Watch me not finish this.
0: All right. Alright, we'll put that down. We'll check on it next time you're on, Sam. Thanks again for coming. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how people find on social media, keep up with the stuff you're up to.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at uh S five. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, S D like Rosa one seven five. I post some pretty fun pictures. I posted a fun one on Earth Day and everything. I just had never thrown on Instagram. I just felt like it was the right time, you know.
0: yeah so both platforms are out there if you want to follow or sam thanks for coming on i really appreciate it
1: well thank you so much for having me and i can't wait to be on again soon
0: all right and that will do for this week's show i want to thank my guest ian levy for calling in to talk about the return of the nba a lot of fun stuff there i also want to thank our legal correspondent phil froyetta for hopping on the line to talk about the hub models for the nba and the nhl covering our bases with both of those also, I want to thank uh, our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rosa for a deep dive into the world of Space Jam. Very silly, a lot of fun, nice palate cleanser considering the state of affairs right now. Something late to end the show. If you want more yourself at this podcast, including my instant reaction to the NBA's return to action, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify, Simply search for Just and the Suffering on any of those platforms. You'll find all the old episodes there. You'll also find me on YouTube. Search for Mike Phillips on YouTube. I put the individual segments up on the podcast YouTube channel as well. Mike Phillips on YouTube. Feel free to leave your feedback and star raise or help like this episode even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. It's mphilips 331, And tweet me at the hashtag greatest run ever. If you made it to the end of the episode, the Toon Scar had the greatest run in the history of basketball. So, got to give them some props there. Coming up next on the podcast, talking tennis a little bit. I got to speak to John Wertheim recently, got to give you that conversation. John Stanko as well on the episode. Just stay safe, everybody.